Christ can change your past. He died on the cross so that all the sins you've ever committed, all the things you've ever done wrong, are forgiven. You were dead. He breathed into your lungs the breath of eternal life and he resurrected you. It is by grace. Now, now, right now, you confess and believe. God said you were saved. Hello and welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast about what two pastors are learning in the trenches of revitalization in New Mexico. I am Kyle Bierman, pastor of First Baptist Church of Alamogordo, New Mexico, and director of Replanter Development for the North American Mission Board. And today I am not joined by Matt Hensley because he is at the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary for a Doctor of Ministry seminar. And so he's rubbing shoulders there with some folks, and and we are immensely grateful for their uh, sponsorship of this podcast. And so you should definitely check out swibbits.edu. And while he's there, he's going to be using the Christian Standard Bible, uh, a translation that is faithful and accurate. And we are uh, also proud to be sponsored by the CSB, and you can find out more about them at csbible.com after the show. No, today I'm not joined by Matt. I am, in fact, joined by a repeat guest, and that is Pastor, now, Dusty Marshall. So, Dusty, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kyle. You, you, you joined the illustrious list of repeat offenders here, guys like Dennis Garcia and John Dowling and Ken Hemphill. Um, that's, that's those, a good list. Yeah, those, those are our those are our repeat guests. I think <laughs> Jonathan Howe. Don't forget John. I gotta can't forget Jonathan Howe. Um, so the last time you were here, um, we we talked about kind of evangelism to nerd culture in uh, in right. LARPing, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Amtgard. And um, since then, you've had a little bit of a change in um, your life position. I guess we could say, right? I have. I have. I've yeah. recently uh, accepted a position here locally at New Life Baptist Fellowship as their pastor. Okay. So, and, and that was, uh, let's see, today's January 15th that we're recording this. So that was a month ago today. Yep. Correct? A month ago today. All right. And so, uh, Dusty, just reintroduce yourself to our uh, to our listeners here. Tell us about a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Dusty, or you know, Dusty Marshall, for those who really want to know my last name. Uh, I was born and raised here in New Mexico, moved out to uh, Fort Worth to work on uh, my MDiv over at uh, the Southwestern Baptist Seminary. Uh, and since then, we've moved back over here, and in that whole process, we've uh, been living and trying to figure things out, and now I uh, am blessed and humbled by the aspect of being uh, the pastor at New Life uh, Baptist Fellowship uh, here in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and trying to figure out exactly what that looks like, as well as still holding on to all the nerd culture and fun <laughs> stuff that I like to do. Yeah, all right. Cool. Um, so... Tell us a little bit about uh, New Life Baptist Fellowship. So New Life Baptist Fellowship is uh, is one of those churches we always talk about. We hear uh, other people write about podcasts of a declining church that is probably in need of revitalization or possibly being replanted. Uh, when uh, I started there, I was just doing pulpit supply, and there was about six members on average that was showing up. Uh, and they've, uh, they've been doing the best they can and trying to figure some things out. And in that, that context... Uh, they've been here in uh, in the Alamogordo area. I think they were planted around 1999, 2000, and so there's there's a lot of things that's gone on, a lot of history, a lot of ministry that they've done, and and then somewhere along the way, uh, things happened to where they started going into decline, and 
they got to just having six faithful members show up for Bible study and Sunday service, and now I get to be their their pastor. So uh, we'll All see right. how that works out. All right. Um, so they were founded in, I think you said 2000, right? Yeah, somewhere around there, 1999, okay. 2000. Okay, so so a church that's about 20 years old. So so a young church, um, especially, I mean, you know, we're sitting here in my office at First Baptist Alan McGordo that was founded in 1898, right? right. So we're talking about 122 yeah, years. Yeah. Um, and so New Life is, is 20 years old. Yeah. So, so a young church, um, at least in terms of, uh, how long ago it was established, right? Right. right. Um, so, so talk us through just a little bit about how New Life came to be here in Alamogordo. So after talking with everybody, what I uh, found out was that New Life uh, was established from another church split um, that was here in Alamogordo. And apparently uh, the, the stories are a little fuzzy and I'm still trying to figure some things out. Uh, only being a month in, uh, maybe next time you have me on, I'll, I'll figure it out if you ever have me back on. But um, apparently the church had two splits or, or two or three churches actually come off of this one church. Not that they had planted them, but literally people had left and split to plant other churches. Wow. And New Life was one of those churches okay. that, that came out of that. And so they have they got planted in that context. They um, started doing some things uh, within that. And as they kind of went on, they just never were able to gain traction. Uh, the good news is, is it's a debt-free church. They own the land they're on. They own the building they're on. So there's none of those issues that you have to deal with or go through. It's just maintaining and getting out of the mentality that they were in whenever uh, there was the church split and then trying to reclaim uh, an identity of who they really are in Christ. Yeah. So from then to now, that's about as far as I've gotten in most yeah. of the history uh, okay. of how they were planted and started. Okay, so so you come here to Alamogordo. You're, you're not necessarily looking for... Uh, another pastorate. No. Right? No, no. Um, so, so I know you, you, you know, because the last time we had you on, which was uh, last fall, yeah. you, you were here and uh, talking through um, LARPing and, yeah. and like, like we said at the beginning, evangelism to nerd culture and building a business. Um, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself preaching at this church, right? So yeah. how did how did that happen? Talk um, talk us through that. Well, apparently uh, there was this guy named Kyle Bierman, um, <laughs> and he decided to take me to our associational meetings and introduce me to um, our associational missionary, which that led to uh, our associational missionary that I didn't know about was, was actually retiring. And so he had been doing the pulpit supply over there. For yeah, I, I think he announced his retirement like at your first association <laughs> yeah, meeting, yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he got my contact information and gave it to uh, the sole deacon over there at New Life and let them know that, hey, we have we have a, a preacher in town uh, that is more than willing to fill the pulpit and, and, and doesn't have any other obligations at the moment to do so. So I'd, I'd started doing that. I'd started preaching uh, at chapel periodically at a, a Legacy Christian Academy here in, in Alamogordo. Uh, I'd gone up to Tularosa at First Baptist and, and filled in for the, the pastor there while he was out doing pulpit supply. And then I went over to New Life and was doing more pulpit supply. And so yeah. that's how we got connected. And it's all your fault. <laughs> yeah. Thank, uh, uh, so I, I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> So you have a really interesting story about how you um, finally became the pastor there. Because as you said, you were preaching yes. for a little while. Yeah. Um, and, and not always with a lot of heads up, right? right. Yes. So yeah. there was, there, there was uh, a couple of times where uh, Saturday I had gotten the phone call asking if I 
would be available to preach on Sunday morning. And obviously, being the guy that I am, I said, absolutely, I can yeah. I can be there. I can preach. That's that's not a problem. And I did. I don't know if it was great or well, but uh, it, it, it was good enough for them to, to ask me to be their pastor, okay. I suppose. Okay. So. And, and you were... Um, I mean, you know, so the, Matt and I, we, we talk a lot about church replanting. That's kind of the world in, in which we live, church re- revitalization, replanting. Um, now, both of us stepped into a church with, with a pretty solid core, or into churches with pretty solid cores of people. Yes. Um, 30, 40, you know, when I got here, I think churches were in 60 or so. Um, you, you stepped into the pastorate at a church that, b- before you got there, was averaging six people. Correct. Right? Yeah. So... What I want to what I want to know is just kind of man what what goes through your mind as you're at, you know as you know this call is coming right so so I mean you 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 preach for a month or more yeah uh, getting that call on Friday or sometimes Saturday hey can you preach tomorrow morning yeah. so I think you knew that that it was at least a possibility I mean the the there without a pastor. Yes. You, you happen to have a pastoral background. Yeah. Uh, right. About the second time I, I filled the pulpit, the uh, the the head deacon there, or, or the soul deacon there, uh, his name's Al, and God bless him, man. He's he's amazing. Uh, the man's about to turn 93, and mm-hmm. um, he's the one who's kind of been holding the fort down. But about the second time I was there, he had asked me, hey, are, are you looking anywhere? Are you putting out your resume anywhere? And I kept being honest, like, no, no, I haven't been putting my resume out anywhere. And so uh, we knew at that point. We should probably start praying yeah. and really seeking God's guidance. That's like the passive aggressive of are are you are you interested, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you, you you see us? Are you are you, are you willing? And yeah. So, uh, me and my wife Elizabeth, we started we started praying about it and okay. uh, thinking about it and talking about it, and uh, in lo and behold, it was one of those things we decided we're, we're pretty confident that this is this is where God may want us to be yeah. uh, we weren't a hundred percent confident but we knew that if the call came we were willing to answer the call okay so all right um, so so finally on a Sunday um, you 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 get this call right yeah or, or at least you knew it was coming in, in a way right yeah so, so talk us through a little bit of the confusion and the, the reason I the reason I asked that is because um, that I think a lot of our listeners will identify kind of with what you went oh, through, right? So sure. especially when it comes to um, extremely small churches. Sure. Um, so you, if I'm not mistaken, that Sunday that you went, you were not entirely sure that, that they were voting on you as the pastor, as pastor, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, the Sunday prior, I filled the pulpit. They had asked me to come in, and I did that. And they then asked me if I would come back next Sunday. And that next Sunday, they asked, you know, we're going to have a business meeting. And we want to vote on you to, uh, you know, to serve the church in the capacity of interim pastor. So I said, you know, I, I actually have some formalized training through uh, the the SBTC uh, um, while I was over in Fort Worth and, and had done some of that stuff. I said, sure, we can, we can make that happen. And then as more conversations went on, I realized that I don't think my definition of interim pastor and their definition of interim pastor are are the same. And it, it really became more apparent as the week kind of progressed. I wasn't sure if they really did want to call me as the interim pastor or if they were looking for someone to be, you know, like a co-vocational pastor yeah. at their church. So we didn't find that out and really have that discussion until the business meeting happened. And that's when we found out that kind of the mentality was, no, 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 we'll call you as an interim pastor. And that's kind of like a test run, you know, for you. And, and if you like us, then you can stay and, and we'll hire you as our, our pastor. And I said... Well, what do you mean? Well, we have more money. We, you know, we can pay you full time or whatever, but we can do that. So it, 
some of the people thought in, an interim pastor was a co-vocational pastor that's going to have another job, and and until they can pay him full time, he doesn't have to do anything else. Then he'll be the pastor. Others looked at an interim pastor as, you know, we're like a car. You're going to test drive us first, and then, then if you like it, we'll, that you'll stay. So I, I sat very quickly in the business meeting. I said that I don't think that's how any of this works <laughs> at all. Uh, that's not my definitions. And so yeah. we kind of set expectations and defined. And at that point, everybody said, well, no, no, we definitely want you to call you as our pastor. Yeah. And so um, I think the official vote was. Um, it was unanimous that they called me as their bivocational pastor, is how it's put in the, the business okay. meeting minutes. And and so this was a, I mean, so you, so you went in that morning not knowing exactly what they were calling you to. Correct. Right. So yeah. so what is that mindset like? Uh, <laughs> um, I think the words "Oh, bless their heart" uh, <laughs> may, may came out a couple of times. Um, it's it's interesting because you you want to help them. Uh, in, in some aspect, you, you want to love on them and, and, and pray with them as well. Um, the other aspect is now in your own own personal prayer life, as you've been seeking God's wisdom and, and all of it, you start asking yourself, have I been praying for the right thing? Have I been asking the right things? Have, have we all been talking it? So there were definitely some nerves um, in that context because depending on how how they called me and what they were looking for was definitely going to depend on how we were going to approach everything. Right. So I had no ideas of what to do. So it was just kind of, it was definitely the mindset by the time the business meeting hit, the prayer was, God, this is solely in your hands. And and whatever it is that we as a local body are supposed to do, lay that on all of our hearts. And and I think that's what happened by the end of it. Yeah. So, so I'm assuming that vote was not like four to two, right, no. or three to three, right? I mean, no. You, you... no, it was it was it was unanimous. Okay, uh, we even had had one church member who I love to death right now uh, that said, "If we're not voting for him as our pastor, I'm not voting." So, uh, we we had a lot of fun in that meeting, yeah. <laughs> a whole lot of fun, and we actually laughed and joked, and and uh, everybody very much understood what, what what by the end of it what we were doing, but um, no, I had no. I had no clue until finally the vote took place and it was unanimous and, and all all six people that were there voted yes. Wow. Wow. So, okay, you go into this church of six people. Um, the average age is elderly, right? I think yes. I think we can say that. Yes, um, we can say that. Okay. So what, again, we talk a lot about, about church replanting here. What, what actually goes through your mind when you step into a, a church of six people, where, where the average age is seventies, sure, we, okay, we, we could say that. With with, that. with you and your wife, y'all you bring it down to yeah, we bring it down to like maybe, maybe early sixties. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, your two kids maybe maybe into the fifties, <laughs> right? With the um, average, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think my first me and me and my wife's first thought when we looked at each other after everybody had left, I had keys to the building now. And the door shut for the last person to walk out. We looked at each other and both of us just went, what have we done? <laughs> what did we just do? Um, I don't know. It's, it, I don't know if there's really an explanation of what you're thinking at the yeah. time. You know there's only six people. You know they're trying to hang on. You know they don't want to see, see what the, the church in this community go away that's there. Mm-hmm. But you can see it in their eyes and as they vote and they talk, they, they don't really know how to move forward either. And so there's definitely that moment of deer in the headlights. I'm terrified. Um, maybe next Sunday I should preach and then say, this is a bad idea. Thank you for the, the world, opportunity. World's shortest pastorate. <laughs> Thank you for calling me. I resign. Yeah, uh, so all those things run through your mind. But, you know, the other thing that you think of, too, is, is you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I, 
I thought of my background. I thought of the other churches that I've served in. I've thought of the mistakes that I've made in the past. I've thought of the successes I've had. And just everything, it's just a flood of emotions and everything going through your head immediately, mm-hmm. as opposed to the first church I was ever called at. And, and you know, there was, there's probably about uh, uh, 45 to 50 people that, that, that was there. And, and uh, uh, eventually that dwindled down. And there's a horror story behind that. And I won't, I won't, I won't bother you with that. That's probably for another time. But all of that goes through your head of, am I ready? Did, did, yeah. did I do something wrong? Did I do something right? Um, did I answer this call because this is really what God wants me to do? Yeah. Or did I answer this mm. call because this is what I want to do? So it, it definitely took a lot of soul searching and, and, and considering going, yeah. did we make the right call? Is this what's supposed to happen? We yeah. have we have six people that are elderly, and we are now officially the youngest people in this church. Yeah. So how do we move forward, and, and what are the next steps? And at that point, I just went, I have no idea. All I know is I've got to. I've got to start trying to figure some things out yeah. and, and talk to people and, and listen to people and, and try to build partnerships with other people because there's no way we're doing this alone. And right. the good news is, out of all that, we realized if something happens and this church grows and reaches this community and, and stays put and we can do a replant or it can be revitalized, it's there's there's no question of who did it besides mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And at that point, that that's when you kind of sit back and go, okay, this is what it's supposed to be about. This is what I remember when I first became a believer, that my life was so changed and so moved, not because of me, not on my own merit, but solely because of God and who Christ is. And at that point, I realized that's this church. If anything happens and it moves and it grows, it will solely be because of God and who Christ is. So so now here you are a month in. (laughs) Yeah. and you, you've not seen explosive growth, right? You, you didn't go from six to 500 in the course of a month. No, um, no. And so as you've kind of taken a look at, at things, and, and now you're, I know you've lined out kind of your first sermon series, as your first extended sermon series as pastor. Um, what What's changed in your thinking over the last month as you've, as you've gotten in and, and kind of wrapped your head around, okay, uh, I'm a pastor. These are my people. Yeah. Right. What what changes in that first month? Um, I think what changes in that in that first month now is is I've gone from um, what did they do to make this this way, mm-hmm. um, which is very accusatory of, of the people in front of you. To by the end of this month, I've gotten to a point of it's it's not about what they did to get this way. What can we do together? to change and reclaim this mm-hmm. yeah. for, for the true purpose that it's supposed to have. Um, you know, the analogies that keep running through my head is like a doctor. You know, you have, you have this dying patient in front of you, and as a doctor, you, you, you know they're dying, but you know that they can live as well. Right. You just have to prescribe the right medication. And so you're not looking at them like, oh, gosh, what did you do? And you're more worried about how, how they got themselves into that. You're honestly more worried about like, okay, what did we do? Okay, okay, now that makes sense. Now, how can I prescribe the right mm. medication for, for this patient to live? Yeah. Um, and, and you become more caring about them. You become more concerned about, about their, you know, just their discipleship and their growth as well. Because you don't, you don't want to stun anything. And, and they're probably already, you know, kind of in the ditch and, and trench and everything going, why, why are we still here? Um, uh, you know, yeah, I really want to be more encouraging to them and loving of them instead of just going, I got to figure this out. I got to work these things out. I've got to, you know, be very, very clinical about it. And so instead, I'm coming more around to the point of this is relationships and we need to build them. And it doesn't matter their age. It doesn't matter their background. 
because that's that's the church as a whole. Yeah. You know? um, and so figuring out who they personally are rather than who I am and what am I supposed to do. Yeah. It allows me to get out of the way and drop my ego and go, okay, we're just we're all believers together and we're all serving Christ and we're all trying to point people to him. Mm-hmm. How do we make that happen? Yeah, that's good stuff. Um so so if we can get transparent just for a second, what's what what are the fears? What's the biggest fear oh, that my, you have right now? My my biggest fear is um um to be be perfectly transparent, my, my first pastor is like I said, was was is one of a horror story and I was young and dumb, and the church, by the end of it, split. And once it split, we couldn't survive, and we had to close the doors. We gave the building away. We were debt-free and everything, and we gave the whole ministry, the whole building, the bank account, all that was left to another local church that's been searching for a building, and God blessed them abundantly. They started doing food ministries. They started growing. They started reaching a community that we couldn't. So at the end, good things happened. But my ultimate fear is, is being responsible again for the death of a church because I couldn't get out of my way mm-hmm. or I couldn't get out of God's way. Yeah. Um, it became more about me and look at me and look how important I am instead of truly being humble and going the legacy that needs to be left behind should have nothing to do with me, but truly with who Christ is and how the Holy Spirit has convicted all of us to come to Christ and see God's face. Yeah. Um, and so that's my biggest fear is that in the end, I would, you know, I'd be more concerned about myself and we'd see more damage to the church and the local body than I would be about even my their, them or, or even my own family at the time. And yeah. so all that plays together that I want my family to still feel loved and know, you know that dad's here and, and, and I'm, I'm a good husband and a godly husband and that the church still knows they have a loving pastor that, that's here to love them and, and shepherd them to the best of my ability of what God has given me. Okay. Then So, so that was the fear. Now now let's let's flip it. What... A month in, what has been your biggest joy? Um, a month in, my biggest joy is actually watching my family come together in this whole process. Okay. Um, we walked into church that had six people in it on, on average. And then just hearing people talk about ideas and everything and then watching my wife immediately jump in and go, here's some of the things we can do. Here's the nursery options here. Here's how we can minister to women. Here's what I can do. And, and you know, and she has a MACE degree from the Southwestern Baptist Seminary there you as go. well. Um, and, and she knows what she's doing. She's great at it. And, and without her, God has you know blessed me abundantly because of her. Uh, so, but then we watched my mother-in-law and my father-in-law step in and say, you know, we're going to come to you. Mm-hmm. We're going to support you. Wow. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to serve God here as well. And we think this is what we're supposed to do. We can't explain it, and and we're just as scared as you are. But we think it's what we're supposed to do. And so they've stepped up, and my father-in-law started helping with music. And my mother-in-law has been been someone that's allowed me to bounce ideas off of her, and and her trying to figure out kind of maybe the community because she's her family has been in this community for ages upon ages upon mm. ages upon ages. So they know it like the back of their hand, and mm. they've immediately stepped up and said, "How can we partner with the people in the church?" And connect us all together that we can honor the people that are still here and reach this community at the yeah. same time. So that has been humbling and awesome to see at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So somebody listening to this that is toying with the idea, asking themselves, am I a replanter? Um, is, is this the ministry that I'm called to? And they're looking at a church of six, eight, 12, 20 people. What... What would you tell them 
as they're as they're examining you know their own hearts and examining the call and and, and how, how would you counsel them as they're considering this um run away uh, no no that's not it we're, we're gonna that's we'll, not we'll, it i would say we cut that out but we're not we don't cut that's it, not it. That's <laughs> not it. no honestly what i would tell them is you know truly truly seek god's face really dig through scripture um in in the context of looking at this know who you are as a believer in in direct context to christ and if everything you believe to be true about scripture is true then when you look at a church like this that, that is that small and, and, and you're looking at replanting and you're thinking, maybe am I called to this? Then look at it. Nothing in Scripture says there's no such thing as fear. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing yeah. as, as walking into something with such confidence that you will not be afraid or terrified or bad things won't happen. That's that's not how the apostles worked. And, and you know, even Christ would, would, right. would shed, you know, tears of blood, you know, as, as he would pray. Um, but earnestly honestly talk to you you know to god talk with your family and make sure everybody's on the same page and and honestly don't make it about yourself mm-hmm. and don't step away from it just because it's it's terrifying or you're afraid or you don't know exactly what the next step is yeah. lean into it find a mentor find somebody you can you can talk to that can help you get through it you know because we're not meant to do all this alone right. but do those things and be diligent about it and at the end of it, you'll come to an honest answer of, yeah, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. And I'm still terrified. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm still terrified. I'm, I'm, I'm totally scared of anything that might happen. But I'm beyond excited of an adventure of blazing a trail that, that you know, I've never been able to yeah. do before. So, and in that context, this is one of the, the, the few times I can honestly, truthfully say in ministry that I have to sit back and, and go 100% through this whole process God has guided every bit of it, yeah. and, and, and I've been able to get out of the way, and I hope it stays that way. Yeah. Awesome. All right, last thing. Um, if, you, if you were visiting with a guy and, and he was asking you for one resource outside the Bible um, to, to guide this journey, what would that be? Um, one resource outside of the Bible to guide this journey. I don't know, there's, there's a lot of good ones that I've looked at so far. Um, <clears throat> actually, I, I think... I don't think I could narrow it down to, to one. I'd have to give you two. Okay. And, and one one is definitely the book uh, uh, Reclaiming Glory uh, uh, by Mark Clifton. And then uh, 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 Am I a Church Planter? Uh, uh, am I a Replanter? Yeah. Am I a yeah. Replanter? Thank yeah. you. Bob Bickford, yeah. Mark Am I a Replanter? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that one is extremely powerful as you go through it. And, and honestly, when you read it, it's journaling, all these things. Seriously, do it. Uh, it'll, it'll honestly help. But those two alone have really helped me out. And then uh, then other simple, simple secondary sources like uh, comeback churches or and, and uh, looking at the stats and stuff has helped me because I'm I'm just that guy mentally. But those two books, Reclaiming Glory and Am I a Church or Am I Am I a Replanter, um, those have helped calm my nerves and really make me re reevaluate my thoughts every time I go into something right. uh, now. Cool. All right. Um, and Dusty has an article that's going to be live on the Replant blog next week, sharing some of these same thoughts. Um, I think just simply called, uh, what am I thinking? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so um, you want to check that out next week at nam.net backslash replant dash blog. We'll put up that in the show notes uh, for you there. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to need that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> great resources, by the way. I say that not just because I manage the blog, but there, there are there are great, great resources on that blog for uh, for guys that are walking through the, the trenches of church replanting. Um, you can find us 
online, church, uh, notanotherbaptistpodcast.com, uh, on Facebook at Not Another Baptist Podcast, on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. And I think that's all the places to find us. Man, if we, if we can be any encouragement to you, please reach out to us. Um, you can message us through our Facebook page or, or DM us on Twitter. We, Matt and I love to respond to those and, and hear your story. Dusty, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story, man. Um, it's, 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 it's an exciting journey. I'm, I'm so glad that you're here in Alamogordo. I get to, I get to see, um, not, you know, we call the, the podcast a train wreck, not to see this train wreck that you're going into, but to see what God does. Yeah, I'm terrified. Through. Through <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so until next time, may your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare.